Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Teacher Cast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making Teacher Cast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 193. Welcome to the middle of May. And today we are going to be talking all about the SD conference coming up at the end of June. We're looking forward to talking all about it. And today I have a very big announcement to share with everybody. And we have a very special, I will say middle of this podcast, an interview with the CEO of ISTE, Mr. Richard Collada. We're going to talk to him today all about what he thinks ISTE is, how he sees the ISTE mission, how you as an instructional coach can use the ISTE standards to your advantage, and so much more. Please do me a favor, stick around for this entire show. But before we get into that, before we get into our big announcement, I want to bring on Miss Susan Vincent. Sue, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. I am great. Great to be back with everyone. Thank you for listening. We're heading down the home stretch here in Kentucky, and it's Derby weekend as we record this. So if you know Kentucky at all, you probably know the big horse race is happening this Saturday. Now, Sue, I got to ask here, and, and you know, we didn't rehearse this at all, but when you're instructional coaching this week, do you have to wear the big hat? No, I don't. I mean, can you wear the big hat if you, you want? You can. I mean, they have the whole uh, derby theming going on throughout the week. Even it's been Teacher Appreciation Week, and that's been the whole theming of the treats and lunches. But, yeah, they dress like the jockeys and wear the hats and all the good stuff. Wait, wait a minute. Instructional coaches have to dress like jockeys? Well, the kids put on the little suits and the kids make the, that's one of the big projects is the kids design their, um, what's it called? The jockey. It's Uh, not a uniform. It's not called a uniform, but you know what I mean? Thing that's going to get filled with dirt by the end of the race, right? Absolutely. Especially when it's going to be raining. Well, good luck to all the people that are out there. Of course, as you're listening to this today, um, it is around May 16th when this is coming out, episode 193. And so, you know, we're talking all about the ISTE conference. We had a question um, all about ISTE. Sue, why don't you read for us our coach's question of the week? So our question from this week that's been um, the topic of discussion is, what is the ISTE conference? And as an instructional coach, is this something I should be keeping on my radar? Honestly, absolutely. You know, this is going to be an amazing ISTE. There's so many new things coming. ISTE, of course, is the International Society for Technology in education uh when we started uh you know when teacher cast i said we again when teacher cast started up uh, almost 11 years ago you know i looked at isti as the conference this thing right everybody says go to isti and i did 
What I wasn't prepared for is ISTE is so much more, right? It is a oh, conference. Yes. It is a professional network. It is a, a, a amazing community of educators. I have learned so much from my collaborations. We'll talk a little bit about that today. Um, but I met somebody pretty important at ISTE. Do you know who that person was? Hmm. Was it your uh, wonderful co-host? It was my wonderful co-host. I, you and I met uh, four years ago, something like that. Something maybe like that. Somewhere around there, we were in the hallway, and I, I think what you had, you we you had already been on the show once, maybe twice, and we happened to mm-hmm. catch each other, and yes. there we were. Uh, you were talking to I think to Jerry Blumengarten at the time, but um, you know, it is a great opportunity to connect. And this year, ISTE is going to be a hybrid conference last year, of course, due to the pandemic, it was virtual only. And this year they're calling it ISTE live 22, but it is going to be live in new Orleans and it is also going to be virtual. So anybody that's out there interested, I, I highly recommend check out all the great stuff. Um, so what's your big memory of ISTE or of the ISTE conference or, you know, like what does ISTE mean to you? Well, I remember back when I first became a, tech coach, instructional coach, what have you. And that what, like you said, that was the big thing. I was involved in our state affiliate, KISTE, here in Kentucky. And um, I served on the board for several years and um, had the opportunity to go several years in a row. I remember going for the very first time when, I think it was in San Antonio, and it was still called NEC, N-E-C-C, and um, a couple years later, they changed it and called it the ISTE conference. But I mean, I just remember walking in that vendor hall for the first time and was just in awe. I was like, wow. I remember that too, right? The vendor hall, you know, it's it's warehouses, warehouses full. I mean, they, they yes. take over the biggest, the biggest and the best there. Obviously, this year it's going to be in New Orleans. Looking forward to next year when it's in Philadelphia. But, you know, they always say the best part of ISTE is, you know, just meeting people, getting to network, spending time in the hallways. Coming up, I had mentioned we've got a great conversation with ISTE CEO Richard Collada, where I do have a chance to ask him about the opportunities for networking. And he goes into an amazing story of how they actually sit and measure where the couches are and how the couches are placed. And, you know, it's not like just random acts of, you know, what they call the bloggers cafe or, you know, yes. random acts of net. Like they purposely build these things so that people can sit and network. So speaking of all this ISTE talk, you've got some pretty big stuff happening in the whole ISTE realm. Why don't I, you uh, reveal that big announcement? I do. I am so excited about this big announcement. Um, last year at uh, at the SD conference, which you know, I, I it was virtual, but last year I was honored as the SD award winner for instructional coaches. Very, very awesome. Very honored. Um, again always always saying thank you to you out there and to this community for support of that through that and through that award program and stuff like that i uh got active in the isti community got active in the isti community leaders and you might be familiar with the isti plns those kind of disbanded last year and morphed into the isti community and over the last year The ISTE community leaders, which is led by the amazing Lauren and the amazing Margaret, um, have really done a great job. And I would say the ISTE community leaders group is 
I don't know, 30 people, 40 people, some kind of a number like that. But we have broken off into a variety of different buckets. And I'm not going to get all of these correct, but I mean, we've got one that focuses on Twitter chats, monthly Twitter chats around a subject, uh, monthly webinars around a subject, uh, digital citizenship stuff, global collaboration. I mean, we're, we're kind of keeping the spirit of the PLNs, but we've just kind of rebranded things a little. And I hope I hope I'm saying all this stuff right. Um, you can learn more about this on Twitter at ISTE community and follow the hashtag ISTE chat. But one of the the out um, sections of this, the, the you know, the PLNs that kind of build out for that was a podcast group. And one of the things that they found last year was that there is an interest from the ISTE community to gather information and to be kept up on ISTE, ISTE information um, in the form of audio podcasts. So we put together a group of 10 to 15 educators, some amazing people from around the globe, literally around the globe. Uh, we're definitely having meetings in multiple languages. Um, and we, over the last six or eight months or so, have created a podcast, a brand new podcast that um, at the time of this recording is not out, but hopefully by the time you're listening to this will be out. And the entire podcast is going to be called the edge and the whole concept of it is it is a show by educators for educators about educators helping you learn the stories those successes how we can work together and collaborate i am so excited to uh be working with this to be helping to lead this organization and lead this group so we've got three episodes coming out before isti starts I'm so excited about this project. Yeah, I got a sneak peek uh, from Jeff of the trailer of the podcast and just the whole, um, well, Jeff's voice is intriguing there about the edge, um, but very intriguing. And I can't wait to hear these episodes. So what are some of these episodes going to cover as well? We I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I have done everything that I can. You know, like we've been doing this show for the last 11 years or teacher cast has been around for 11 years almost now. Right. I set my sights on making this show like 100 percent different than what we do on teacher cast. Obviously, you know, it's me and we're having some fun like this. But, yeah, we're we're, we're having fun. Um, the show is, is roundtable. You know, every episode features five or six or seven different educators. But these first three episodes I'm extremely excited about because it gives us an opportunity to not only do a small roundtable of you know half an hour or so, but really deep dive in with some great, amazing guests and leading up into the um, leading up into the conference, we have three great guests coming on. Now, episode one, we had the opportunity to interview Richard Colada, the ISTE CEO. And, and, you know, in order to help promote and to share that part of that episode, we're putting today on this episode here. So you're going to get a chance to listen to it. But I still want to en encourage you guys, check out episode one, because there is about a half an hour of, of different content on that with our roundtable, with our educators out there. Haha, uh -huh, get it? And so we're going to make sure that that's there. So episode one really is what is ISTE? How does it work from a global point of view? Episode two, we have a great round table and episode two is going to be coming out hopefully around June 1st. And that's going to be called what to expect from ISTE in new Orleans. And, you know, of course, when you're thinking about ISTE in new Orleans, of course, you're thinking about, 
you know, the food. So we have a great uh, roundtable all about the conference, what to expect, what kind of shoes to wear. But also our guest for that episode is one of the ISTE featured speakers, a great educator, author, podcaster, speaker, um, you name it. She's amazing. And she's a lawyer. Um, also, on top of having a doctorate in education, um, Rochelle Denae Poth is is my guest on that we had a great episode and a great conversation again that one's going to come out around june 1st or so and then hopefully somewhere and or around june 15th is going to be about isti live and we have camilla gagliolo who if you don't know camilla she is started off her career as a teacher and then she started working with isti for isti and really anything that you see that has to do with the conference or a virtual or anything in professional development like Camilla's the the person for all of that stuff. So really fortunate not only to have Richard on the show, Camilla on the show, Rochelle on the show, but to have a great roundtable. And, you know, these three episodes really form a nice triangle for what is ISTE? How does it work? Where do you go? And then over the summertime, we're going to, you know, open this up. Uh, episodes four, five, and six, we haven't uh, recorded yet, but they're going to be roundtables. They're all going to be featuring great educators such as yourself. We are going to be focusing, you know, on things like social media, equity, uh, just uh, racial justice, all these different things. Coaching is definitely going to be a subject. And you know what? It's different than Ask the Tech Coach. It's different than Teacher Cast. I'm looking forward to this, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah, I'm excited to hear some of the just the inside and inner workings of how ISTE works, how they plan the conference, hearing some of those stories like you described earlier. So I'm excited. So how, where, when can I start subscribing to the new Edge podcast? The Edge. Uh, By the time that you're listening to this, again, this episode here is going to be dropping on uh, May 16th. By this point in time, the trailer should be up. So go to your favorite podcast player, your Spotify, your Apple podcast, whatever it is. Um, Do a search for ISTE. Do a search for The Edge. This isn't going to be the only ISTE show that you're going to see. There are other isti shows in their archives i'm not sure exactly how many are uh still you know living or archived or breathing or anything like that but i i've been doing a search for the edge and isti um and again as of this recording here we're recording this on may 5th it hasn't come out yet but i'm told at any minute now like apple will getting approved in it i know just from my own experiences apple could take a couple days to approve and take you know then it takes a couple days to get like into the uh search engines and stuff like that of apple Podcasts. so um really excited about all this stuff and you know what um that's why we wanted to do this episode now and so you know what no no better time to kind of take a pause let's play the interview part uh with myself and isti ceo Richard Collada. My guest today began his career in education as a classroom teacher, helping teachers learn how to use technology in their classroom. He also was the senior advisor to the United States Secretary of Education and director of the Office of Educational Technology at the U.S. Department of Education, where of one of the many things he did, he helped us develop our national educational technology plan. He was also the first chief innovation officer for the state of Rhode Island. He's an ISTE Making It Happen Award winner. And he just happens to be the current CEO of ISTE. I want to welcome to the show, Mr. Richard Collada. Richard, how are you today? Welcome to the show. I'm, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for making this happen. 
I am so excited to have you on here. Thank you for being a guest on the first ever episode of The Edge, our ISTE community leaders platform. And I got to just start off with our first question here. What is it like to work with so many amazing educators each and every single day? Well, I, I mean, it's awesome. First of all, I'll tell you that that was the thing that made me so excited about coming to ISTE originally, which now five years ago, it seems like it's uh, just just the other day. But that was that was what I was so uh, excited about, but um, but it's also, I mean, I won't lie, it's also um, it's also a little intimidating, right? Like we uh, uh, we have a lot of really smart, really amazing educators that we serve, and so uh, you know we got to have our act together, and we got to have, and, and I love the fact that we have a community that that doesn't accept uh, you know things that aren't top notch. Uh, so it holds my feet to the fire, certainly, and that's that's the you know it's not it's not the board or our sponsors that I worry about. It's, it's the teachers who are going, are you, are you helping us? Are you helping provide uh, what we need? And, and, and it's good. It pu it pushes us. I got to say you and I first met each other. I know you probably don't remember this. It was in 2017. It was at ISTE. And if I can pull up a picture here, this oh. was the first time I believe that ISTE introduced you to the world. It is. What were you thinking at that moment getting, uh, you know, hey, here's the guy and here's what we're going to be doing over the next five years? Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I haven't seen that picture. Uh, that's great. Uh, I was thinking, wow, I hope I, uh, you know, don't screw up what I'm supposed to be saying here in this meeting. I don't know, something like that. No, no, it was actually a really exciting moment in all, in all seriousness, because that was the, the one of the things that I was sharing was this, uh, at, at the time, a vision for um, a, a broader series of uh, uh, opportunities to engage with ISTE, right? So when, when I started, we had, you know, you know uh, our, certainly our membership program and ISTE Live, but we weren't really offering professional development programs. We weren't really offering any sort of certification, uh, right? And so, um, so that was where I was sort of plotting out this vision and saying we need to be able to be uh, helping uh, teachers, education leaders more than just five days a year at the at the conference. As great as it is, right? You know, five days is five days. Like there's only so much you can pack into five days, and we knew that we had to be helpful and supportive uh, throughout the whole year. Um, so that's that's what I was doing in that picture was laying out that vision. And the cool part now looking back is that we've done those things, right? We have this whole learning platform called ISTU. Uh, mm -hmm. We have ISTE certification. We have a bunch of new things we've added to our membership program. Uh, we have uh, a, a new, uh, you know, some tools to to see what what apps make make a you know work in the classroom. So anyway, a lot of that stuff has 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 already happened. I very much remember being there and hearing this vision coming through. And, you know, speaking of vision, speaking of where ISTE is, the mission statement is that ISTE inspires educators worldwide to use technology to innovate teaching and learning, accelerate good practice and solve through problems in education by providing community knowledge and the ISTE standards, a framework for rethinking education and empowering learners. I got to say, as somebody who's been studying mission statements and vision statements in my, in my program, I love the fact that it starts with inspiring educators. Why is that so important that ISTE is a place that inspires education and classrooms? I thought you were saying that our that our that our mission statement's a little long. We, we we you know we probably should tighten it a little bit, but so much important stuff in there. No, that's critical, right? That idea. We believe that the the most important 
lever for change, for improving education, for making a difference in the world is, uh, is teachers. It's the humans in the equation, right? And, uh, and, and, and you make, you know, things uh, happen, improvements happen when people are inspired to make change, when they're inspired to try new things, when they're inspired to try to do things better. And so we keep that at the root of, of all we do. Uh, when we're planning events, uh, yep, we care about the content, of course, but the main question we're asking is, will people leave inspired? Uh, when we think about, um, uh, you know, books that we publish, when we think about um, uh, professional learning experiences, that's always the, the point. Because if we're not inspiring uh, educators, if we're not inspiring teachers and leaders, then uh, honestly, what's the point, right? There's plenty of other places where we can just go get random facts. We, we want people to leave inspired. I, I love that answer. And inspiration through communication, inspiration through community can only lead to inspiring our students in the classroom. Do you get a chance to to get into classrooms much these days? You get a chance to travel around and see what's happening in the classrooms? So starting to again, I used to all the time. So I had a rule that whenever I would travel somewhere, uh, I would always try to do a school visit wherever I happened to be, whether it was outside of the U.S. or somewhere around. And so I, I spent a lot of time in schools and I loved it. Obviously, during the last couple of years, um, that that has uh, you know largely stopped. Uh, but we're just starting to get to the point where, where uh, we'll be able to spend some more time in schools right about as the school year wraps up. But that's okay. We'll 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 start uh, we'll start doing that more. I, I love spending time in schools. I was actually just my first school visit uh, in almost I don't know I guess two years uh, was in uh, Middletown, Ohio, mm. and I was there and a little uh, probably six year old. Um, you know, little, little kindergartner, uh, actually first grader, I guess he was. So, uh, uh, maybe seven years old. Anyway, interviewed me. Uh, he wanted to do an interview. So sat down and asked these questions Did this interview. I mean, it was a tough interview. He was asking some tough <laughs> questions, but I, I just loved it. I loved being, being back in the classroom again. When you walk through a school and when you walk through a classroom, what are you looking for? I mean, you've got all of the technology at your fingertips. You've got all of the ed tech companies right there at, at, you know, on speed dial. When you walk into that classroom, what excites you? Uh, it excites me when I see um, students, kids who are uh, engaged in uh, creating problem solving, designing, these active learning activities, right? The saddest thing for me is when I walk into a school and I see technology being used just to present content, mm. right? Just uh, kids on a screen clicking next. And, and it happens. I visit schools uh, where, where we see that and they want to show me these great new uh, laptops that they bought or whatever it is. And, and, and the kids are just sitting there kind of like, you know, in a coma, just clicking next on the screen. Um, those are tough days for me. Uh, but what I love is when you walk into a school and the technology is being used for them, uh, you know, to they're designing or they're, again, they're problem solving or they're coming up. They're the ones creating the content, right? They're the ones, especially with the older kids that are collaborating with other peers or experts out of their school. Uh, I visited a, a class in, um, at Los Angeles Unified uh, just shortly before the pandemic. And uh, it was a group of students who were uh, working on a, a, a challenge of trying to, to improve um, their community. And so they were actually, they, they zoomed in and this was before we were all using zoom. Mm -hmm. They zoomed in the, uh, the town council and they were talking to them about how to make the, the community cleaner. Like that's what technology is for. It's for bringing in people, uh, into the classroom for, for kids to engage with and not just to, you know, read content off a screen. 
that must be why the first ISTE standard for students is empowered learner, making yeah. sure that these students are doing authentic work, making sure that they're the ones leading the discussions. They're the ones leading learning. Right. We had mentioned earlier in your bio that you have a lot of work with coaching, coaching students, coaching teachers, making sure that we're using the technology as a tool for uh, really, again, empowering everything that happens worldwide. Why is that important that we make sure that our students are empowered? Why do we? Why is it important that we make sure that our teachers have really things like the ISTE standards mm -hmm. as a guide to use in the classroom? Yeah, I mean, it gets back to what we, some of what we've been talking about already, which is this idea of, um, you know, learning, when you're learning something that doesn't relate to, to you, whether, whether you're an adult, whether you're a kid, right? If you're learning something and, and it doesn't, it doesn't tie to your interests. It doesn't tie to uh, your passions. It doesn't tie to something that feels meaningful in your life. Uh, not only is it really hard to learn, uh, there's very little motivation to learn it. Yeah. And so if you can flip that and you can say, how does this matter to you, right? How can we put you in the driver's seat if you're the student, right? How, how do you get to decide what you're working on? How do you get to uh, make this relevant to your life? Then all of a sudden learning uh, just gets much more powerful. So that's what it's all about. You know, empowering sounds, you know, you can just roll it off the tongue, you know, empower students. Of course you want to empower students, but but it really means if you can put them in control of learning, they learn so much more, right? They become so much more engaged in the learning process. But it's not just making sure that students are able to be involved in that learning process. You recently uh, published a book called Digital for Good, Raising Kids to Thrive in an Online World. Um, you know, my triplets are in second grade going into third. I, I think about this often. I look at them and I kind of compare where they're learning with the standards and all that stuff. And, you know, you got a chapter in there all about digital citizenship. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I have a chance to work with in my profession as an instructional coach. But I also have a chance to work with it as in my profession as a parent. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about digital citizenship post-pandemic, digital citizenship in 2022. Right. Happy to. First of all, we need to pause for a second and go, you have triplets. I do. Wow. Uh, I didn't realize that. So I, I have four kids, but they all came one at a time. So I had some time to, you know, figure out how to how to juggle some things. So uh, but um, but no, that's uh, it's great whether you have one or, or three or five kids. Uh, it's really important that we are thinking about how uh, they can be healthy, engaged members of the virtual world that they live in. And unfortunately, <clears throat> um, so much of the narrative that we have now is around safety, right? Let's keep kids safe. Uh, and, and, and don't get me wrong. We want, I want kids to be safe, right? Um, <clears throat> but safety is actually a pretty low bar. Uh, and unfortunately, I feel like it has been the end goal for a while. Like, let's just, you know, safety is what it's all about. Like, really? That, that's the best we can do? Let's keep kids safe as the minimum. And can we do much better than that? Can we help them be uh, engaged members of the digital world? Can we help them know how to use technology to enrich their lives and the lives around them to be more connected with their family, uh, to, to know how to uh, find and use uh, appropriate information to help them do the things that they want to do? And so when we think about that, right, uh, when we think about those skills, when we think about the skills of creating a, a, a space that's inclusive in the virtual world, uh, where you can engage with people of different viewpoints and learn from them, even if we don't agree with everybody's uh, ideas, right? That's digital citizenship. That's what it means. It's the conditions, the, the, the norms, uh, the conditions for success that we set in our homes, in our schools. 
And we have to reset that conversation. It's not just about choosing a strong password. It's about the type of people we want to be in virtual spaces. And, and that's what I write in the book. And, and, I, and the goal of the book is to try to help parents uh, and, and teachers create a, a new conversation with young people about these digital skills. And so I list uh, at, the, at every chapter, I, I explain a concept and I list a series of questions that are conversation starters. So the idea is to try to help have better, more engaging conversations with young people about how they can be healthy uh, members of our digital world. I think it's certainly important that we have those conversations. Even now we're having conversations with our second, you know, again, they're, they're in second grade. What does it mean to be online? Should right. you be sending that Google doc to your friends? You know, sure. all those different conversations. These are now dinnertime conversations that we should be having with our students. Yeah. And, and the fact that you're having those, this is a really important point because there's some, uh, you know, some movements out there of like, well, let's wait and not have access to technology until our kids are in, you know, 10th grade or whatever, I don't know, 18. Uh, but that actually robs kids of a very important uh, moments to have interactions over things like you're talking about, about when and where do you share a document or what's appropriate balance of your time, right? If we wait, like I want as much time as I can with my kids to model, to have them use technology with me, model good behavior, talk about good behavior. If I were to lose, it's sort of like saying, you know, oh, algebra is really hard. So we're not going to teach math until we'll, we'll start teaching math when you're in 10th grade. Like, no, no, no. We we got to start now uh, with simple things, bite size, right? In order to then be set uh, down the road, and it's the same with technology. You know, you had recently come out with a video uh, a few weeks ago on the ISTE YouTube channel called "Innovation Through Disruption." Hmm. What does that mean to you? Well, uh, we've been we've lived through a very disruptive last couple years, and so I think it's uh, it's worth uh, worth looking at. Well, the, what it means, and what I was what I was sharing in that video is. Um, if you look at innovation, and I've spent years studying how innovation happens, one of the things that we see is after moments of disruption, a major disruption of chaos, you always see a bloom in innovation. And part of the reason for that is that uh, those disruptive moments actually set the conditions for innovation because you're forced to do things differently. You're forced to try new things. The old way, whether you like it or not, maybe is gone, right? Because we're now learning online or whatever it is, right? There, there is a moment after disruption. There's sort of a runway uh, for new things to be tried, to be tested, to be implemented. And we're in that moment right now. And that's actually a really cool space to be in, right? The disruptive time is just about over. And we have a runway, I'd say, I don't know, about a year uh, maybe a little less, but we have about a year where, where it's still, there's still a lot of flexibility. Still things are new. We have new technology. We have a, a lot of flexibility on rules and regulations or just on culture and customs uh, that allow us to try new things. And whatever we do, the, the, the activities that we do over in that window, right over this sort of year-ish or so, that's going to determine the design of the future of learning. And so it's a fun, it's just a really fun moment to be in, in education. So what has the pandemic taught ISTE heading into this year's convention? Wow, uh, that's a great question. A, a lot of things. Um, uh, one is um, we need to be really spending much more time um, supporting uh, teachers around us uh, in, in knowing how to use technology effectively. And I say around us because a lot of the educators that will come to, to ISTE Live um, are you know, like you and, 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 you know, and me fairly, uh, you know, aware of good uses of technology, et cetera. 
we now need to be ambassadors, if you will, to help the teachers around us who are frankly not coming to ISTE Live, who are not, but we need to help sort of bring them along. And so that's a, that's a thing that you'll see maybe as a little bit of a shift this year as we'll be talking about how can we act, not just help ourselves do better, uh, there'll be a lot of that too, but but also um, how do we help uh, lead people along who, who may be you know, not on the same path that we, we've been on. Um, that's one thing. I think another thing that you'll hear us really focus on is um, trying to, um, uh, to shift uh, to more, um, uh, you know, more creative uses of, of technology. So the good news is during during these COVID years, we, we got a lot more, we got more infrastructure, right? we got more devices, got more connectivity. The, the challenge is the approaches to teaching actually narrowed. Uh, yeah. quite a bit, right? It became, and so now we're like, hey, let's take the good part, which is that we have this infrastructure and add on it, layer on that, this this creativity that the ISTE community is known for, right? And can we, can we you know, slam the two together and come up with just some amazing uh, uh, learning activities for, um, for, for kids down the road? And so that's a lot of what we'll be talking about. Well, this is the first year uh, that it's going to be both a live and a virtual conference. It is. Uh, I'm assuming that presents some challenges. Uh, yes. What would some of those challenges be for you and wow. your staff? Yeah, well, it is tricky. I mean, for real, because it's sort of like, uh, it's like producing two whole events. So we're producing the, the online part and the the face-to-face -face part. Um, one of the things that we decided is that we did not want the virtual option. And, and you, you gotta remember, it's tricky for us because we're the ones going around saying, hey, you gotta have great you know, virtual experiences. So if we do a crappy virtual experience, right? That <laughs> doesn't look very good. So uh, so we wanna, what, what we decided was, uh, we were not gonna just throw a camera in the back of, uh, of some session rooms, right? We wanted to have uh, the online event really feel like an engaging uh, uh, you know, opportunity to learn and, and not just like you were kind of looking, you know, staring, kind of trying to zoom in and see somebody on a stage in the front of the room. Um, and so so that's been interesting to say, what do we design? How do we design experiences in the virtual side that are really engaging and feel meaningful for a virtual audience? And then, of course, uh, in the for the face-to-face, -face, for those of us that will be in New Orleans, how do we also design all those great moments uh, there? And so you'll see it'll go both ways, right? We'll have some people that are in, in the live event, we'll have some people coming in virtually. On the flip side, on the virtual event, we'll have some people live that'll be joining that way, and then some that'll be on the, that platform. So it's, 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 it's a long way of saying there are a lot of complications there. That was your original question. Lots of logistics, uh, but, uh, but it's coming together. And, and I'm excited to see, I think this is the future of events. I think yeah. the future of events will be, will be hybrid. And so we, uh, we, gotta, we gotta learn how to do it and do it well. And what will you be doing during the conference? Do you get a chance to walk around? Do you get a chance to relax? Do you get a chance to just kind of blend in? Are you, are you on the whole time? I would imagine. No, I absolutely get to 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 walk around. My favorite part is to go around, and I'll I'll drop into some sessions. Uh, I have some sessions that I'm doing. Uh, I will I will come and uh, you know be involved as much as I can. The one thing on that list that you said that I don't do is relax. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but that's by choice. I mean, there's so many, so many great things happening, and so many of my my friends and colleagues that I haven't seen in you know a couple of years in person that yeah. I can't waste that time you know sitting on a couch somewhere. Like I got to be out uh, uh, connecting. So so you'll see me around as much as I possibly can. Um, I love uh, I love learning from from all of our community. 
Um, I, I love dropping in on the sessions. So yeah. And also, by the way, if you see me, if you're, uh, hopefully many of you will be there, um, come say hello. I, I'd love to hear your, uh, your experiences, feedback, right? If there's things we're doing well, uh, I'd love to hear it. If there's things that we need to do better or need to be considering, tell me that too. I really want to uh, make sure we're, we're hearing wh what ISTE is doing that's helpful and how we can do better. What's your favorite part of the physical conference experience? Oh, that's, that's a hard, that's a hard question to answer. I, gosh, um, I think it's like asking me to pick my favorite kid. Like, I don't know how to, I love, uh, I love actually when I get to just, um, kind of walk, uh, walk in around the, the halls and just, just talk to educate, just pull teachers aside and say, how, how are things going? What are you, what's, what's great that you're excited about in, 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 in your world? What are the things that are the biggest challenges? That's a really helpful thing for me, but I also love going to the, all the, 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 um, you know, what we call our, our, our kind of our play areas, right. Mm -hmm. Um, the playstations, right. Uh, I love, I love those, um, I love the the chance to uh, we have some we're gonna have some amazing um, uh, main stage speakers uh, this this year that I'm really excited. About. I love listening to what they have to say. So I don't know how was that. I just give you like six things. You know the thing that I love about your answer is it is the same answer that I have gotten from every one of my guests oh. over <laughs> the last ten years. Everybody talks about the amazing vendor floor, the sessions, the yeah. food, the co the collaboration. Everybody who I've ever asked the question says, oh, yeah, my favorite part of ISTE is being in the hallways yeah. and just meeting people. And sometimes the best ISTE sessions are the ones that happen on the spot. Yes. So so actually, let me make a comment about that, because one of the things that we do is we realize that like that is not accidental. Like we plan we we. We know that one of the most valuable things is for you to be able to connect with people. And we we often say that we meticulously plan serendipitous moments. So we, we, we actually design the space. We have a team that works on the space design, uh, on where we have places to sit, where we have you know screens, where we have activities going intentionally so that people will connect and meet other people. And so, yes, the sessions that you go to, they'll be fantastic. They'll be really good. Uh, but that to us is just a fraction of the experience uh, of ISTE. And I think, you know, I, I go to other other events and there's other events where the sessions are really good, but that's, that's what it is. And, and for us, really that moment in the hall, that is just as important and special as any, uh, any session that you go to. Please tell everybody on staff that no matter how big ISTE gets, no matter how, how many people it attracts, there are a lot of people out there that say the best part is the comfortable couches Yes, that they can just sit down yes, and yes. meet these people and have these conversations, make those connections yeah. and, uh, and really bring this kind of conversation back to school. One of the things that I'm excited about with this particular podcast is that it is being created by the ISTE community leaders. Yeah. Why is it important for the ISTE community leaders and, and all of the volunteers in the organization to exist? I mean, I've had a great time over the last year being a part of it, working with the team, meeting people, networking. What does this collaboration and community mean to ISTE? And most importantly, what does it mean to you? Yeah, that, thank you. That's a great question. I would say three things, right? So one of them is that the community uh, community leaders are so critical uh, in in helping our us, me, our team uh, know how to stay relevant, right? Pushing us to say what are the what are the topics that matter? What should we be we uh, you know focusing on? Um, identifying. Uh, you know, potential speakers, both for our events, but also in other things that we do, webinars, et cetera, throughout the year. So that's critical. That's the first thing. The second thing is 
uh, it's an opportunity for uh, for community leaders. You know, our hope is yes, you're giving and you're volunteering, but it's also an opportunity uh, to to build a network of other leaders. And it's tricky for us because a lot of people, especially the community leaders, right? They're often the ones in in their schools, uh, right? That are uh, they're kind of they're they're leading the way on a lot of things. They're often the, the educators that people are looking up to. And that's great. It's a fun place to be. But sometimes you also need a pure network of other leaders to, to sort of help have a, have a different conversation. And so for us, that's also really important is that the community leaders themselves uh, have, a, have a network uh, of support. And then the last one is we we know that the the most the most powerful way that we can help our our members you know broadly um, is n- not hearing from me. I mean, I'm happy to spend a few moments here with you, but but truly, uh, you know, I, I get I get boring pretty quickly. Uh, where they have real value is hearing from from you and the other uh, other other leaders who are uh, in schools know really how what's working, know what's not working, know the tips and the tricks. It's just so authentic, and 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 that's what I love. So those three things are really it: like helping create that network for for community leaders, helping uh, provide much more relevant and practical uh, advice and guidance, coaching to our members, and then uh, you know, of course, helping uh, guide us on the work that we do uh, as as ISTE staff. I remember being at my first ISTE conference ten years ago, and I was trying to figure out what this is. And I, honestly, being a music educator at the time. ISTE to me was just this conference, Mm. but it's so much more and it's so much more to so many people. One of the things that I always tried to figure out how to do is how do I get myself involved? What's that first thing that I can do? And if somebody asks you that question, how can somebody get involved with ISTE? There's so many different things. What is a good place to start? Well, I mean, the, my my normal answer to that is actually to point them to our professional learning network, to our, our PLN, as we call it, right? Because it's a nice, easy way in, uh, especially with some of the changes that we've made, where it's a little bit, you know, there aren't quite so many different uh, groups to have to navigate between, right? To be able to just go in, read what people are saying. We have a lot, I have a lot of educators that say, you know, I'm not quite ready to throw a bunch out there. I just like to lurk. Right. And that's okay. They like to go in and hear what people are saying, learn. Uh, and, and so that's where I normally point point people. Um, after that, probably my next step would be to suggest that they consider um, uh, ISTE certification. Go through and get certified because you're then, uh, you know, a, a deep engagement with both our staff, but also the cohort, the, the certified educator cohort. So, um, so th- those are those are two things that I, I mentioned, but there's many others as well. There have been so many amazing memories, and I'm just thinking about this. And you're, you're letting me do a deep dive in my head here for the last 10 years of getting a chance. You know, ISTE has allowed me to uh, meet Sir Ken Robinson, uh, work virtually, v- both physically on the floor with great companies, Microsoft, Google, you name it, do amazing presentations. Um, I remember having my triplets come to Philadelphia, where we're, where we're mostly based out of, and yeah. they had a chance to walk the ISTE floor and get a chance to do things. I even did a panel discussion where I had a puppet as our MC and we had Angela Myers and Adam Bello and all these other great people on. And I had a puppet sitting there as, and I was just sitting there going, this was awesome. Yeah. What's your, I don't want to say what's your best. That's a hard question, but what, what, what's your ISTE memory when you turn around? Oh, interesting. My ISTE memory. Wow. Also a hard one. That's that's a hard question. Um, I, um, you know there are um, wow, a couple things. What there there are certain um, 
there's some speakers that we've had over the years that have really uh, uh, really resonated with me. Um, a couple years ago, we had the uh, creative director from Pixar mm. who talked about how um, she used design and used technology to design uh, worlds and experiences that um, you know weren't possible in the physical world. Uh, that was really powerful because I think that's a lot of what we can do when we think about using technology for learning. And and yes, it's very different than designing a, a Pixar experience, but thinking about, uh, yeah, we design we design a world, right? We use technology to design a very special environment. That's probably the word we'd we'd use in, in education, right? Um that you know that I, I can think of a number of sort of specific pieces of advice like that that have really shaped, you know, my thinking. Mm-hmm. Um I also, for me, there's something that's maybe a little less tangible. It's not like pointing to a specific moment, but um, there's a there's a joy uh, that I feel from the the people who come to ISTE, and um, that's really helpful for me when when it feels like there's a lot of problems in in, in education in the world, and to just have that moment of saying there's a lot of joy here still. Right, even when the world gets tough, there's a lot of joy, and uh, and that reminds me that what we do is awesome, right? It's it's really great, and yes, it's tough and it's trying. I don't mean to minimize all the the, the tough times we've had over those last couple of years, but but just seeing uh, seeing the community is reminds me. Yeah, it's also it's also fun too. We started the conversation today by talking about the mission statement. I want to end today by bringing up the vision statement, the what is ISTE looking forward to? And it says here, the ISTE vision statement is all educators are empowered to harness technology to accelerate innovation in teaching and learning and inspire learners to reach their greatest potential. Now, what's the next couple of years going to look like for the ISTE? Yeah. Well, by the way, you see that word inspire in there again. So Absolutely. We, we do take that seriously. You know, I think the next couple of years are going to be, uh, they're going to be really interesting as we're, we're focusing on um, uh, designing, designing the future, right? These, again, this next little bit, is going to determine a lot of what, of what habits and patterns are set for our, our, uh, you know, for what school looks like as we come out of a as, out of a worldwide pandemic, so we'll be doing a lot of discussion about that. But one of the things that we're going to be doing um, uh, a bit more of is um, uh, actually working with uh, the 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 tech community, the developers, to uh, to help push the quality of the products uh, a bit. There's some good stuff out there, but we have this really smart uh, community as part of ISTE. Uh, and we need to we need to help leverage that to 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 make sure the tools and the apps that are being created are are not just okay but are are really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll see we're actually going to be announcing uh, at ISTE Live here. I'll give a little preview of coming attractions. We have a new tool that'll be at, coming out under our EdSurge uh, brand, uh, but it's going to be called the EdSurge Product Index. In fact, it's already available in a beta mode. So if you want to go check it out, if you go to uh, index index.edsurge.com and it's a new way to help uh, identify the types of tools and apps that are most helpful for what uh, what we need in the classroom so you'll see us doing more work to to maybe be like uh, you know to play Switzerland between the education community and the the the, the tech community and I think we need to blur that line a bit between between those two so that's something we're working on and then lastly um, I'll say we're going to be doing quite a bit more uh, around focusing on preparing future teachers. We have a pipeline issue, right? If, if, if you've been watching any of the news, 
And uh, we are going to be starting to do a lot more work with educator prep programs, so mm. schools of education, to make sure that new teachers that are coming out are coming out with experience using technology, experience, uh, um, you know, using technology in collaborative ways and using it to help uh, continue innovation uh, in, in schools once they get there. I'm glad that you brought that up, and I'm certainly glad that that's going to be a focus. I mean, there's so many teachers out there right now that are – I don't know how else to put it, inspired to get out of the classroom and are making that switch from classroom to ed tech or classroom to something. Um, where is ISTE on that topic? Are, are, where is ISTE when it comes to supporting teachers, supporting their growth, supporting them, inspiring themselves? But at the same time, we need those teachers in the classroom working with that next generation. That's right. I mean, we just need uh, a lot more uh, people uh, being excited about coming into the teaching profession uh, in all areas, you know, and it's good. Look, we need good teachers that are helping design the next generation of apps and products too, right? So, so I'm glad that some teachers are choosing to do that, but it's it, it, we need uh, to not do that at the expense of having amazing teachers in the classroom. Uh, and so that that has to come from one, us doing a better job of a community of uh, of, of telling the story of education. And, and, and again, I mentioned EdSurge a second ago, we try to use our EdSurge platform to capture stories of, of amazing teachers. Uh, and so that, you know, people who are considering the profession go, oh yeah, I can see myself doing that. I wanna be part of that, right? So that's part of it is that we have to really work on that pipeline. But the other is just, uh, you, you know, starting, we, we start too late, right? We, we need to start getting uh, uh, people interested in considering teaching as a profession before they're out of high school. Yeah. And so thinking about opportunities for younger students, definitely, as I mentioned, if for, for in college, I'll, I'll give you another little preview of a coming attraction that we'll be announcing at the event, is that we are uh, launching a, a pledge for educator prep programs to agree to five principles that they will do to prepare their new teachers to be to, to be able to thrive in a digital world, right? So, so, so when we have uh, teachers that are better prepared, guess what? They stay longer, right? The two yeah. things that we find that help teachers stay longer in the classroom are one, being prepared, right? Especially prepared around technology, and two, having a network, not feeling alone. And so those are two areas where we'll be doing a lot of focus, making sure that, that there's there's you know deep understanding of how to use technology effectively, and two that all teachers can be part of a, a, a professional network, and and that can be a digital one as well as a physical one. There's a lot that we can certainly go over, and you know as we start this podcast here from our ISTE community leaders, I, I, Richard, I hope that. Uh, you'll welcome yourself back on the show. We'd love to have you as a guest and, uh, you know, come back on and occasionally tell us where we are with ISTE, what the future is going to hold. I, I want to ask you one last question here. As we are looking at uh, the conference coming up, what advice do you have for anybody coming to this conference for the first time? It's, it's overwhelming to see 15, 20,000 of your closest friends all walking around the vendor floor, the thing. What advice would you give somebody who's listening to this show going, how do I survive this? <laughs> well, you know what I would I would I would say is uh, don't need to overthink it, right? Uh, just come, just enjoy as you're there. There'll be opportunities for things to go and to do, and 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 just be willing to to uh, to to enjoy the moment and and don't feel the pressure. I think some of these people there's there's a th you know fifteen hundred sessions or whatever it is that we gotta I gotta plan it all in advance. Just enjoy. 
you will be you will be led to these moments. You'll find people. The the, the thing that I would I would also say is is uh, make sure you you uh, uh, meet somebody new every day. Um, and, uh, and that doesn't mean just saying hi to somebody as you're walking down the hall, actually, you know, actually pull somebody aside and talk, ask them what they do. Ask them, you, you'll meet, you know, five new best friends in, in the days you're at ISTE, if you allow. And, and I found that for, for, for me, and I've heard this from others as well, sometimes it's those relationships, right. That, that last far longer than any information that we receive. And so, so I think that's my, those are my two suggestions. One is, 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 you know, just just enjoy. Don't don't no need to don't don't overstress yourself on trying to plan it. And the other is really prioritize uh, meeting some new people that will that will you know be uh, you know perhaps uh, lifelong colleagues. ISTE CEO Richard Collada, thank you so much for joining us today on the show, and best of luck as we head into our conference season. Thank you so much for having me, and I do hope you'll invite me back. It's great to get to talk to you. And you know. Sue, first of all, we want to say thank you to Richard for coming on. We want to say thank you to ISTE for helping us get together. I have known Richard now since 2017, as I mentioned in the interview. And I remember sitting there. I I can't remember if it was Denver or Chicago or whatever that year was or wherever the location was in 2017 and just going, all right, I'm sitting in the press room. Uh, there's the, There he is. I love to figure out how to get him on the show. And what it was that 2017. So 18, 19, 20, 21 five years later, five years later. I'm so excited about all this it's stuff. Exciting. Great um, stuff. Great ab- stories. Love it. And, and you know what? He's so open. He's so honest. He's so genuine. And, and his experiences of being a teacher, being a, in the coaching role, working for the United States department of education, building the first national, uh, you know, education plan, all the, I mean, I, I, I definitely, I'm looking forward to having him back on the show. And you know, after we got done recording, he's like, yeah, anytime, give us a call. So right. one more time, thank you to ISTE. Thank you to Richard Collada for coming on the show. Don't forget, um, you know, The Edge is going to be available on all of our platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. You can also head on over to ISTE dot org forward slash podcast and you know as we head on into june we have one more week of, of may and all but as we head on into june professional development is important wrapping up that year is important next week sue we're going to do a great episode called things i know now that i wish i knew in september remember september sue <laughs> i think so it was back there a ways but it yeah was- it was back there a ways. Uh, the world was different. Not saying that we're out of the pandemic fully. You know, we're still popping up cases in buildings and things like that. But man, September seemed to be a long time ago. Yes, it did. And and things are getting better and hopefully on the road to getting even better as we continue moving forward. We would like to hear from you. What kind of content would you like to hear from us over the summertime what kind of professional development would you like to see over us um as we're heading into the summer we're having some great conversations with some amazing professional development networks we'd like to uh create another um instructional coaching conference like we did last summer and the summer before that would love to do like a a half day event where we get coaches together and and share the love and stream it out live and put all that stuff together so you know we're having some conversations we're seeing what we can put together we are here to support you don't forget to head on over to the teacher cast instructional coaches network we would love to have you as a part of our facebook group or our linkedin group all of the links are going to be over on askthetechcoach.com i don't know if you guys noticed 
we have been completely stripping it down, revamping it, changing all the pages around. So hope you have a chance to check everything out over at askthetechcoach.com. Lots of new things for you. And Sue, I'm looking forward to a great summertime, and I'm looking forward to putting this school year to bed and moving forward. What are you looking forward to, and what can we expect as we go forward here on techimaginations.net? Just uh, posting some new stuff. I think I've talked about my new video is out about appointment schedules and Google Calendar. So that's exciting. And then some new things, just some new little tips and tricks that I've discovered here lately on Google Chrome, the Google Chrome reading list. I'm getting ready to publish a new video about that. And um, I've been starting to use that a little more. So stay tuned to my YouTube channel and techimaginations.net. And, of course, keep in mind, everything that we're doing here is on TeacherCast and over on AskTheTechCoach.com. Check it out. So on behalf of Sue and everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classroom and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.